Scaling Up Nation, I am so excited that the Rising Tide Mastermind has started and it is a huge success. Being a water treater is a difficult job and it's so much more difficult when you are by yourself. There's one thing that we all know for sure, doing life by ourselves is not something easy to do. And folks, we're not designed to do it that way. Having a trusted group of advisors that you can share ideas and issues with is key for successful people to become more successful. I urge you to look into seeing if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. The Rising Tide Mastermind includes weekly video calls with your group of like-minded peers, a quarterly book discussion, one-to-ones with me, a live event, and so much more. Folks, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if this exciting group is right for you. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hello, Scale It Up Nation. Trace Blackmore here, your host for the Water Treaters' favorite podcast, Scaling Up H2O. And folks, Happy New Year. Can you believe it's 2020 and how many of us have already broken our New Year's resolutions? That's just how it goes. And the reason for that is I don't think people put a lot of thought into their New Year's resolutions. They just simply say that I'm I'm going to quit X, and most of us think that way. Well, I read something not too terribly long ago that says the brain cannot process the word not. So you have to think in a positive mindset. Now, folks, I don't know if this is true or not, but if you're like me, I will take any advantage that I can get. So rather than saying I'm going to stop eating poorly, I would then tell my brain that I'm going to start eating nutritious meals that will ultimately lead to weight loss or being more healthy, or I'm going to be more healthy instead of somebody saying, I'm going to stop being so sick this year. Again, I don't know if that stuff works, but I think we can take every little bit of advantage that we can. The other reason that I think that resolutions fail is no planning puts into them. The last couple of shows, we talked about planning. And folks, if you do not plan to succeed on whatever your goal is, you are planning to fail. So a lack of plan is a plan to fail. I know you've heard that before. But it's so true. When you can think of your plan and then know where you are because you've assigned metrics to it and you can look at where you're supposed to be each and every week, that's when things are going to get done. Now, I've talked a lot about goal planning in the last couple of episodes because year end and year beginning, that's when most people do that. Well, now it's up to you. You need to go out there. You need to make that stuff happen. So I hope some of the things that you've learned in the last few episodes have helped you with that. I know learning them have helped me. So let's talk about some things that are coming up very shortly. 
Nation, as you know, I am an advocate for the Association of Water Technologies, and I want to let you know about a couple of things that the AWT has coming up for you so you can get these items on your calendar. The first one is the AWT Business Owners Meeting. Folks, this is where business owners come together to share ideas. They're going to be having the Business Owners Meeting February 10th and 11th at the Hyatt Regency Clearwater Resort in Clearwater, Florida. Folks, Florida in February, why wouldn't you want to go there? You can find out more by going to awt.org forward slash business meeting 20. And of course, the other item that I want to bring to your attention is one of my favorite events each and every year. It is the AWT Training Seminars. We're going to be at the Hyatt Regency Lake Washington Resort in Seattle, Washington, February 26th through 29th. Folks, this is where you can go to bone up on water treatment knowledge. I cannot think of another place that is so comprehensive with all of the information that we talk about at the AWT training seminars. Now, you have a second shot to do that on the East Coast. That's going to be at the Cleveland Marriott Downtown Hotel in Cleveland, Ohio, and that will be on March 18th through 21st. If you want to find out more information about the AWT 2020 training seminars, go to the AWT website to find out more. Nation, it has been a while since we last heard from my next guest. She was one of my original guests when I started Scaling Up H2O, and her episode has been one of my most listened to episodes in my podcast library. I know that the water treatment community is very confused about Legionella. So I have once again asked Janet Stout of Special Pathogens Laboratory to come back and talk with the Scaling Up Nation so we can learn even more about Legionella. So Scaling Up Nation, please help me welcome Janet Stout. Scaling Up Nation, I am so excited today. We have a returning guest. We have none other than Legionella expert, Janet Stout. Janet, how the heck are you? I'm great. And it's just wonderful to be with you and Scaling Up Nation. Well, we are lucky and fortunate to have you. I love talking with you. In fact, you were one of my first guests, episode nine. Can you believe that? Yes, I, I can't believe two years has gone by. I believe your episode aired July 2nd of 2017, so it has been well over two years. And aren't you up to 95 or more episodes now? So here's the deal. So now you've dated the episode because I pre-record the episode. So thank you for letting that secret out of the bag. But no, it's fine. You did. We're recording this right at episode 95, but I am getting ready to celebrate episode 100. And you are probably going to be released after that because we do pre-record our episode. So when you go out, you might be 105 or 110 or something like that. So how about that? Oh, it's very exciting to be part of uh, such a wonderful service to the water treatment community. Well, I appreciate that. And I think today's episode is going to be a service to the water treatment community. We've done several shows on Legionella. I think you've done a couple of talks on your own about Legionella. 
But still, the water treatment community, heck, the entire community, is confused when it comes to Legionella. So I'm hoping we can clear a few of those items up today. Nobody better to do it than you and me. I am up for the challenge, and I know you are too. So I got to ask, since we got together on July 2nd, 2017, what's new with Legionella since then? Well, I wish... I wish I could tell you that we have solved this problem, uh, but we we haven't yet. Uh, so I guess that's job security for you and me. But the the issue is really um, not so much what's new, but what remains to be a continuing problem. Uh, we week after week after week hear about outbreaks of Legionnaires' disease throughout our communities which just tells us that our work is not done. And so uh, this opportunity to talk to your audience and, and help partner together to prevent Legionnaire's disease. And in fact, at Special Pathogens Laboratory, we are seeking to end Legionnaire's disease. And we can do that with the help of your audience and others. Well, I look forward to that end. And I love the show title that you came up with, you said to please call this one the one about Legionella prevention beginning with the end in mind. I love that. I'm such a Seven Habits fan. That's habit two. And that's what we're doing. We're ending Legionella and that's the beginning that we have in mind. Yes. And Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, probably never thought this iconic phrase would be used to describe a public health problem like Legionnaire's disease. But that's what I mean. With the extent to which you begin with the end in mind, he said, often determines whether or not you're able to create a successful enterprise or outcome. So when we say end Legionnaire's disease, and that's our mission, we know that it's possible, and that's the end we have in mind. And when we're done with our podcast today, everyone will understand how we can end Legionnaire's disease together. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can speak for a lot of people that they're listening to this show, they're scared, they don't want to test for it because, oh my goodness, what happens if I find it? So maybe it's just better that I keep the blinders on. There's so many misconceptions about LD, about Legionnaire's disease. I know we're going to do some good today. I know we are too. And this is the value that you bring, Trace. It's fantastic. Well, it's because of great guests like you, and now we've said how awesome each other are, so we can, we can move on. So, Janet, I'm just thinking that who doesn't know who Janet Stout is? I just can't imagine that, but I'm sure there's maybe one or two people out there in the Scaling Up Nation. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, my pleasure. So I'm a microbiologist trained in infectious diseases who has spent more than 30 years studying Legionella, all aspects of it, prevention, detection, control, treatment. And so what I always say is um, when an infectious disease microbiologist studies Legionella for all that time, I'm not just a microbiologist, I'm a Legionellologist. And I'm probably the only Legionellologist you and your your audience will ever meet. And it's been my pleasure to really go across the globe, not just the United States, but all over the world, talking about preventing this deadly disease. And, uh, and that's my mission. And I hope at the end of our podcast today, people have learned a lot. I have no doubt that they will. And let's just start there. So what does everybody need to know about Legionnaire's disease? 
Well, I think the the two most important things that people need to understand about this form of bacterial pneumonia. So Legionella is a bacteria. And for many years at the beginning of the Legionella story, you know, shortly after it was discovered in 1976, the focus was on cooling towers and, and the presence of this bacteria in the drift from cooling towers and people being infected through inhalation of that drift or mist. Well, what we showed back in the 1980s and has been shown over and over and over again is that it's in the water distribution system of the hospital or the building is the primary cause or source of Legionnaire's disease. So this bacteria is a normal inhabitant of natural water like streams and lakes, and then it goes through the water treatment plant, and it's not completely killed because it has a higher tolerance for chlorine, comes into our buildings, and when you turn on the faucet or the shower, just some people, not everyone, have high risk for getting Legionnaire's disease, which is a very severe form of pneumonia, very, very high fever, dry cough, uh, often very difficult to diagnose because the physician treating you doesn't think about Legionella because it's fairly rare. Only about 2 to 5% of the pneumonias that occur in the the community are caused by Legionella. So a combination of it being in, in the water, uh, physicians missing the diagnosis contributes to the fact that it's very deadly. So if you get it in the community, 15% of the time you will die from that pneumonia caused by Legionella. But if you get it while you're in the hospital for something else, which is called hospital-acquired pneumonia, Legionnaire's disease, the risk of death is as high as 30%. So it's really all about preventing this deadly infection. Why is the leap so great when you get it in a hospital? Well, people in hospitals have things done to them. You know, they have tubes put in them. Sometimes those tubes get rinsed in tap water that has Legionella. The reason that you're in the hospital is you have something going on. So you have some conditions, some health conditions. And over the years, these conditions that are called risk factors have been linked to the increased chance of becoming infected if you're exposed. So the important thing, people are exposed to Legionella bacteria all the time, but a small percentage that have chronic lung disease or on high-dose steroids uh, have cancer. My, the highest risk group is transplant patients that they are receiving treatment that suppresses their immune system. One thing that this calls to mind in my mind that, that many of your listeners will relate to is the idea that devices get rinsed in tap water that has Legionella. And one of the devices that's very commonly used is called a CPAP device, which is you know pressurized air going down your airway. And there's actually documented cases of Legionnaire's disease from rinsing those devices in tap water. So the first pearl for the listeners today is don't rinse your CPAP devices in tap water. You may get Legionnaire's disease. Wow, that's uh, something I've never even considered. I guess people will use that if they have sleep apnea? Yes. Well, there you go. Your first public service announcement on scaling up H2O today. So what should every water treater know so they can properly inform their customers about Legionnaire's disease? Well, one of the things that uh, we have said for decades is basically condensed into three words, test to protect. So you have to test for Legionella in water distribution systems and buildings and in cooling towers in order to know whether or not there's risk. So it might surprise people listening that only about half of the buildings, even hospitals that are tested, have Legionella in them. It's not everywhere. It's not ubiquitous. 
And the same is true for cooling towers. Uh, about 30% or less of the cooling tower samples that we culture for Legionella here in the laboratory are positive. So the first thing you need to know in order to assess risk and this is what you're telling your clients, is you have to test for Legionella. And you don't have to be afraid of the result. And one of the things that that we want to make sure people understand is that there's very simple ways to manage the presence of Legionella and that thereby reduce the risk of disease transmission. But you can't control that risk if you don't know it's there. So that's the keystone to prevention. So many people out there are scared to test because they might find a positive. And that leads me to believe that they think that absolute zero Legionella detection is what the goal is. No, it's not. Um, it's sort of what people would like, right? Uh, people sort of like it to be uh, either black or white. It's either there or it's not. And that means that if it's there, there's a risk. And if it's not there, then there's no risk. And certainly, you know, if we could get to uh, zero Legionella in our water distribution systems and cooling towers, that would certainly be the goal. But as I said before, it's a naturally occurring organism. So it's in our water. And when it's present, not always present, then we, we test for it. We find out how to manage it. And, and so the, I think the, the, the issue is education and communication. I think the role of the water treatment professional is to help their clients understand that this is really necessary, both for the protection of the building occupants and patients, if you're a healthcare facility, but also for the institution or the building itself, its reputation. And also it protects the individual doing the testing because they are demonstrating proper due diligence. And to avoid something that is so well-documented really almost borders on negligence, in my opinion. And I've heard you say and Bill Pearson say that really the goal is to take the negligence off the table, so we're doing a due diligent program. Yes, and, and I think one of, the, one of the things I think about uh, when I try to put myself in the shoes of the water treatment professional is I ask myself, knowing that Legionella is a very, um, it's a very litigious situation. There are a lot of lawsuits when Legionnaire's disease uh, is detected. And what you want to do is you want to be responsible, guide the client to the right information, but you have to ask yourself, at what point do I stop? Do I say, this is the limit of my expertise as a water treatment professional, and do I want to step over that line into being more of an advisor or a consultant when it comes to Legionella prevention? And there are ways to do that responsibly, but I think it's an important decision that your audience needs to ask themselves. Earlier, you made a statement that I think everybody listening has heard at one time or another. Legionella is ubiquitous. Where did that come from, and why do we continue to say that? That's a great question, and I have to say uh, we are to blame for this, and, and it, it was totally uh, an unintentional thing. So back in 1982, as I mentioned, when we first made the link uh, of Legionella exposure from water when, you, when the patients in the hospital turned on the faucets and the showers, we published in the New England Journal of Medicine an article describing this finding, and it was a paradigm-shifting discovery because everybody was focused on cooling towers and blaming cooling towers for all of our Legionella problems. So this 
comes out. And the title of that article was The Ubiquitousness of Legionella in a Hospital with Legionnaire's Disease, Endemic Legionnaire's Disease. I mean, it was going on all the time. People didn't know it. And when I went around with the plumber, his name was Lou Tedesco, he and I, arm in arm, uh, floor to floor, sink to sink. He's got a sawzall, cutting the pipes. And I'm finding Legionella virtually in every part of the hospital. So in that hospital, Legionella was virtually everywhere, and it was causing an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease in our patients. So it was ubiquitous there. But what people did with that word is they have misused it since then. They say Legionella is everywhere, meaning every building, every cooling tower, and they use it as an excuse not to test for Legionella and not to deal with the issue of prevention of this disease. And so it's kind of been one of my missions is to dispel that myth. It's a myth that Legionella is everywhere. Uh, We at Special Pathogens Laboratory are all about science and evidence-based recommendations. All the recommendations we give and all the methods we use are evidence-based. So the data does not support that Legionella is everywhere. The answer to your question is why do we still hear it is it's a convenient excuse and it's not accurate and it's untrue. And I really hope that after today we dispel that myth for the last time. I have definitely heard firsthand people tell me it's all around us, so why test for it? So I'm right there with you. Right. And, and you know, this is the, one of the roles of the water treatment professional is to, in effect, not let people get away with that. Uh, you can say, you know, I can understand why you may think that, but let me share with you what the data shows. It's actually not true. You know, 56% of the cases investigated in outbreaks by the CDC were linked to potable water, not cooling towers. Only half of the buildings are positive. Less than 30% of cooling towers are positive. And it's important for people to understand that testing for Legionella is not a, we're not assessing a health risk, we're assessing the performance of the water treatment program as important feedback to make adjustments in that program. And so if you don't have that piece of information, you don't know if the combination of oxidizing biocides and non-oxidizing biocides and and dispersants is actually controlling Legionella. And, And that happens all the time. And in the absence of testing for Legionella, you are not able to make the adjustments to the program that are necessary to make the operation of those water systems safer. Janet, you just mentioned that there are more cases reported from potable water than the cooling tower, but the cooling tower is always where we look for it first. It's always what gets the press. Why is that? Well, there's there's probably two reasons for that. One is that when it's a cooling tower or a utility water system, not drinking water, you have more freedom to put chemicals in there to uh, disinfect and control the microbial populations like Legionella. So you can put more bromine in there and you can put more glutaraldehyde or isothiazolin. But when it comes to potable water systems, the hot water distribution system, you're more limited in what you can do. It becomes more difficult, a little bit more complicated. And so for that reason, you know, people focus on cooling towers. And then the other reason, I think, is that uh, Legionnaire's disease is going on throughout our communities, and many of the cases are not detected, not diagnosed. 
but most of them are associated with potable water. And the way that those cases occur is sort of one here, one there, and there's never a link to one source. But when a outbreak associated with a cooling tower happens, it's a very explosive event. Lots of cases in a short period of time associated with one location gets a lot of press. And so we hear a lot about cooling tower associated outbreaks like the one in the Bronx in the summer of 2015, 138 cases, and I think it was 16 deaths. But most of the cases of Legionnaire's disease that are occurring in the United States and around the world are associated with the building water distribution systems and particularly the warm water systems. You've probably already answered my next question, but according to you, what is the biggest misconception about Legionnaire's disease? The biggest misconception about Legionnaire's disease, you know, I think when I consider that question, I think people say, well, it's, it's not happening. I've never heard of a case of Legionnaire's disease. It's not a problem. And in healthcare, we often hear, you know, we've got all these other infections going on, MRSA and Clostridium difficile, and there's many, many more cases. Well, people don't realize how many cases of Legionnaire's disease are actually occurring. So the minimum estimate, and I emphasize the word minimum, is 30,000 cases per year. And that's based on about 600,000 cases of pneumonia requiring hospitalization occurring every year, and about 5% of those being Legionnaire's disease. But there are many, many more cases that occur than are recognized. And and we talked about that earlier, the, the fact that the physician's not thinking about it, not ordering the diagnostic tests. And, and then the other misconception about Legionnaire's disease is that it's just this one event. Uh, Legionnaire's disease is an, a pneumonia. You get treated, you get better or not, and then you go on with your life. And one of the things that has come out over time as physicians follow patients that have had Legionnaire's disease is that they have problems with breathing for long periods of time after the initial infection. And sometimes that goes on for more than a year after the initial infection. So it's a serious infection. It's a deadly infection. And because I'm a glass half full person, Trace, it's a preventable infection. And uh, we can do more to prevent this infection. And I think we're going to talk of what we can do more as we continue this interview. It's not that hard, really. Well, let me ask you this. So fill in the blank. A Legionella test result without an action plan is? You know, when you say that, what I really want to do is sort of turn it around. Okay. What you really want to do is have a Legionella test result and a plan. Because when you have a plan without Legionella testing, I'll say something very radical. It's meaningless. Because even if you follow what's in the ASHRAE Standard 188 document, in my opinion, you will not prevent Legionnaire's disease because that standard does not say test for Legionella. It gives you some options to test, but it doesn't say test for Legionella. And you cannot prevent this disease without knowing whether Legionella is present or not, right? I mean, it's common sense. And what I really have a hard time understanding is why people keep avoiding that key element of your water management plan. You don't want to 
not test for Legionella as part of your water management plan if, and here's an important if, Trace, if you really want to do something to prevent this disease. If all you want to do is check a box, I've written a plan, then it doesn't matter. But of course, you're talking to the person that wants to end Legionnaire's disease. So that plan should actually do something towards that end. So you really want to be testing for Legionella. So a test result without a plan, it should be a plan without a test result is really meaningless. One of the comments that I get from several of my listeners is they do try to talk to their customers about Legionella. We have to do something to take negligence off the table. And they say, fine, just test for Legionella. Well, if we test for something and we don't know what we're going to do if we find it or when we find it, what do we do then? So we need to figure out now what we're going to do before we test. And they say, no, 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 we're just going to test and hopefully we'll find zero. What advice do you have for them and what should they be saying to their customers? You want to have a plan to deal with whatever the result is of the testing that you perform. So, for example, it's a a healthcare facility and it's somewhere around 200 beds. And if it's in New York State, the recommendation is a minimum of 10 outlets plus the hot water tank. And you're looking to see whether or not more than three out of those 10 or more than 30% of the faucets or showers that you've tested are positive. And if it is, then you need to have a plan for what to do in response to that. So this kind of speaks to a couple of different issues. One is uh, the laboratory partner that you have can help you interpret what those results mean. And if it's if it's special pathogens, one of the things I always say to water treaters is, I'm happy to get on a call with you and your client and talk about what the meaning is of these results. And it gets complicated because what kind of Legionella is it? How extensive is the positivity? What is the relationship to disease risk? These are all things that I've sort of spent my entire life uh, developing a foundation for prevention around, and that goes back a long way. And so I, I think that it is important to have this discussion with the client that what are the action steps in response? And luckily, in 2019, we have the ASHRAE Standard 188, we have CMS, we have AWT, we have CTI, we have a a body of, of documents that we can point the client to and say, here are some examples that we can draw from in terms of response. I really like the New York State Public Health Regulation for Healthcare because it follows our 30% metric for uh, assessing when the risk is increasing for healthcare patients. What got incorporated into the New York City guidance document is based on an an Australia-New Zealand standard, which has logarithmic changes, you know, tenfold changes in Legionella concentration in your cooling tower water and steps and what to do in response to those positive results. So I think if you have a client and you have that kind of conversation with that client about how you can help them uh, get good information from experts on how to, to manage that situation should it occur, then I'd say probably nine times out of 10, they would be positively responsive to that guidance. And so this also sort of speaks to when the water treatment provider provides guidance to their client, directs them to information, and that's an added service 
uh, that's really important. And I don't know if you've ever heard this, Trace, but sometimes you have clients that you want to donate to your competition. Surely not. And if after all of that discussion where you're really trying to help them, uh, both in terms of a public safety issue or a patient safety issue, but also for their own good, they continue to reject that. Some water treatment professionals have those clients sign, I've been uh, I've been made aware of the offer, you know, for testing for Legionella, and I respectfully decline, and they sign their name and the date. And that's, I thought, was a brilliant thing to incorporate into that relationship for two reasons. It protects the water treatment professional. It, it documents that you've provided this information and this option to your client uh, and provides documentation that they've refused. Because as I said earlier, Legionella cases get litigated more often than many other infections. I get calls every week from lawyers, right? And so you have to protect yourself from that risk. And then it also puts that client kind of going, well, this is probably a little more serious than I thought, and maybe I should do it. And, and you want to preach the, you know, don't be the penny wise and pound foolish person where you're saving a few hundred dollars here. But when the case and the public health people come knocking at your door, now you're spending $500,000 in an outbreak investigation. So those are very powerful messages that can be delivered to the clients to help them make the right decision. And the one I think that most of your audience wants them to make. Janet, you just mentioned ASHRAE's 188, and when we had you on the show back in 2017, we were dealing with the 2015 version. We've since had an update to the 2018 version. What did they update? The changes in the 2018 version are, were really intended to make it enforceable with code-intended language. So the original uh, way that it was written uh, would not be transferable into code. And that's really the goal for ASHRAE is uh, because it's a voluntary standard, until it is incorporated into code, people have the option of doing it or not doing risk management of building water systems to prevent Legionella. And so the most of the changes in the 2018 document are really about moving that into code-intended language. I really like how the CDC put together their toolkit to explain ASHRAE 188. I've used that with clients numerous times. And I just love how they visually break that down. Do you like that document as well? The way that I think about it is uh, it makes it much more understandable for the non-technically inclined person. So most of the people that you're dealing with are probably going to be pretty comfortable with ASHRAE Standard 188 as it is. I agree with you that, that visually uh, there's a lot of nice graphics and things like that. But I, you know, I always say I'm, I'm not going to get cynical in my old age, right? And, uh, but I have to say that um, it's, and you can attest to this as well, I'm sure, it's very hard to get people to read uh, and really delve into something. And uh, so I think it's commendable that you point them towards the, the toolkit as an aid to help them understand what ASHRAE Standard 188 is really about and as an educational tool. But I really think it's that one-on-one -on -one with the client uh, and, and the information that you're conveying personally to that client that's really going to help them understand what uh, Legionella risk management is all about. 
Totally agree. That's why customers hire us. Not that we're the Legionella experts, but we can absolutely let them know more than they do know and point them to the right direction so they can start understanding LD a little bit better. Nation, Janet just has so much to share with us. I couldn't pack it all into one episode. So we're going to have Janet back next week to share even more about this complex topic, Legionella. And in the meantime, if you have not gone to the Special Pathogens Laboratory and looked at their resource pages, you are missing out. Because if you can go there, you will find so much information about Legionella that I promise will clear up some of the questions that you have. In the meantime, between next week and this week, I want you to be thinking about what you want Scaling Up H2O to bring to you this year. So many people out there in the Scaling Up Nation have told me what they want me to talk about, questions they've had, guests they want me to interview. Well, if you haven't done that, you are missing out. Folks, you can make this show your very private show. Just let me know what you want me to talk about, and we will try to get those items on the air. Now, to do that, you've got two ways to do that. You can email me directly. You can go to the ScalingUpH2O.com webpage, and you can record your own voice, and then I will play your voice asking your very own question and then we'll get that answered. Or you can just leave me a message on the show notes page. Folks, thank you so much for listening and I look forward to speaking with Janet one more time next week on Scaling Up H2O. Nation, one of the goals when I started this podcast was to create a community for us water treaters. I believe that the Scaling Up Nation has received that and we now have a community for ourselves. I've gone even deeper and I've created the Rising Tide Mastermind. And the Rising Tide Mastermind is to bring the success that I have personally had with my own mastermind groups and bring it into the water treatment community. The Rising Tide Mastermind is now meeting. We have active groups and we want you to be a part of it. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you, where we are serving both owners and non-owners. Folks, you deserve it to yourself to have a trusted group of advisors that you can do life with. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.